Welcome, welcome everyone to the Cloud English Podcast. We are going to be doing today a bit of a Halloween special. If you're curious about Halloween, words and phrases around it, customs around it, we're going to be talking about that. It also happens to be my birthday. I mean on Halloween. So we're not quite there yet. I'm not going to be talking about that too much, but we might go into it tomorrow. Mushroom and I will be uh, will be exploring birthday stuff on Saturday. So it is October 28th, uh, 2097, and we have a lot to talk about. In addition to Halloween customs, I want to talk about some differences between words. There's actually a really interesting way to learn differences between words. We're going to keep it along the lines of Halloween a little bit, but it's a it's a broader interesting tool that uh, you can use. Now, I, I mention it because so many people ask me about word differences. So <laughs> look it up yourself. <laughs> No, I'm happy to answer questions, but, you know, it's just in case I'm not around. A few things at the top of the show, and then I'm going to talk about the objectives for today, the things we will talk about to give you a bit of a roadmap, and then uh, we'll get into it. How about that? So, uh, the treasure hunt has finished. We had quite a few people redeem the online version. So uh, last week we did a treasure hunt where I actually buried something in New York City. And for those not in New York City, which I think most people, most of you are not, uh, I did an online version. So if you find the one that's buried in, uh, in, I almost said where it's buried, what's wrong with me? In New York City, then you'd get all my courses for free, one-time use coupon. If you found the one online, then you got a course, Advanced American English Pronunciation, for free. That has now ended, okay? You can still play it, but uh, it's game over. So, that was fun. Uh, Let's see, what else? Yes, there is still the Discord English community. This is actually growing. Within the first week, we already have over 50 people joining. You know, groups, they, I, I believe my sort of theory on groups is, because I've run quite a few, the culture sort of builds itself over time. And so it's not just me in there spamming a bunch of crap and forcing everyone to do things. I'm in there chatting, participating, but as one of the people in the community, I hope it becomes a community in the true sense, which becomes more and more useful over time, right? And people learn from each other, find buddies eventually. I plan to bring other teachers in eventually. You know, I like to do things naturally and organically. So if you want to be part of that, you can find that in the links in the description. That is a free community on Discord. Right? If you don't know about Discord, don't say, I don't know about Discord. It's not that hard. Come on, you're not 99 years old, probably. Maybe you are. But if you're not, you can learn it, right? It's not that hard. It's an app. Figure it out. Uh, let's see. What else? Yes, please look out for 
Now, I'm going to be initially launching it on Udemy. Please look out for my new course coming out on writing. It's going to be an eight-hour course on writing fundamentals. How do you write well? How do you write clearly? How do you put sentences together so that they're effective, right? There will be some grammary stuff in there, but the emphasis will be on how do you write well, okay? There's that. Anything else? Yeah, if you haven't already done so, please do hit the like button, subscribe. Uh, hitting the like button is a little action you can take, but it helps the algorithms a lot. So if you want to support me, if you want to support the channel, if you want to support my videos, my podcasts, or whatever, just hit the like button. That's a small thing, right? Otherwise, if you want to you know, learn more seriously, check out my courses. Uh, a lot of big sales coming up this holiday season. Um, if you're listening to this, some people may be listening, do whatever is equivalent. So rate it five stars or... Uh, whatever people do on Spotify. I don't know. <laughs> you can listen to this, by the way. Some people want to listen rather than watch. Maybe they're taking care of a baby, maybe juggling babies. Maybe they have eight babies in the air and they're juggling them. They don't have time to sit down and watch something, so they'd like to listen. So you're welcome to listen to this. Again, all the links are in the description. I put everything in the description. The description is loaded with stuff, uh, including... Uh, yeah, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I think we can kick it off. I think we can get started on this glorious Friday in autumn. My favorite season because it's crunchy, it's crisp, it's refreshing, it's invigorating. And that is the opposite of summer, of course, which causes me to melt and feel sluggish and slow and sleepy. So do not talk to me in the summer. Talk to me in the autumn when I'm on. Although today, I'm not super on. I have not, not a headache, but a, a little bit of a something. And that's why I'm drinking this uh, very caffeinated energy drink, which is very tasty, very fruity. I like it a lot. Okay. So not everyone celebrates Halloween, of course. What I'd like to do here at the start is talk about Halloween. After we talk about Halloween customs, then we're going to get into differences. Then I want to talk about the news, the Elon Musk Twitter news, which is interesting. And we can, you know, explore it for fun, but also pull out some really interesting phrases from the news, which is something I like to do. Something I like to do. Sorry, my throat's a little froggy there. And then, as we often do, a bit of a phrasal verb exploration. That is the agenda for today. Of course, also, I will be answering questions live, not at the moment, but I will do that after differences, after we talk about word differences. So uh, tell me how you celebrate Halloween, ask questions about Halloween, ask questions about American customs, if you want to learn about American culture a bit, ask questions about other stuff too, if you want, and you are here with me live. Okay, so I was thinking about this. I've always been, I've always had a connection to Halloween because my birthday is on Halloween, October 31st, 1954. And so I've always had this connection. Everyone growing up thought I was an evil little boy because Halloween is associated with 
dark things with Halloween is associated with, uh, you know, ghosts and demons and uh, werewolves and uh, that sort of stuff. Exploring the dark side, right? And I, I do think it's important to explore the dark side, but I, I never really identified with that part of Halloween. For me, growing up, it was all about, of course, the candy, right? So we see the scary stuff around Halloween, but to be honest with you, most people don't celebrate it like that. They celebrate it in a more fun way. And there are really two different ways that it's celebrated, right? Halloween has a kid's version and an adult's version. <laughs> and I think we can talk about both, but maybe we should start with the kid's version as a kind of background. To do this, I think we could watch a bit of a clip from a well-known animation called, I believe it's called The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, or It's the Great Pumpkin, or The Great Pumpkin. It's the Halloween Charlie Brown movie from whenever they made it, I don't know, 60s? A long, long time ago, right? The, the Christmas one is a classic, but the Halloween one is quite good. Now, we're just going to watch a little piece of it because I think it does a pretty good job of, you know, I'll explain it, I'll describe it for anyone listening. It does a pretty good job of covering what happens, what kids are excited about, right? So why don't we quickly hop over to uh, YouTube and, all right, so we see kids, one of them is Pigpen, you can see he's got always his dirt cloud around him, classic, right? Uh, looks like Lucy is the first one, several dressed as ghosts with eye holes. The one with many eye holes is Charlie Brown. He made he always makes mistakes with his with everything he does. And Lucy's kind of the the ringleader. She's somewhat chaotic, perhaps chaotic neutral or maybe chaotic evil if you're keeping score. And she's leading the pack with some sort of ghoul mask or a goblin mask. So kids love the dress-up part. That's the big part of it, right? For Halloween, the most exciting part for kids, well, let's say two parts for kids, A, dressing up, B, candy. So do you have to dress up as something scary, like a goblin or a ghost? No, absolutely not. Many kids will dress up as their favorite superhero. There was a period of time where every single little girl was dressing up as Elsa from Frozen, every single one. <laughs> I don't think that's happening anymore. Hopefully, it's been it's been a while, but that there was a trend, right? So kids dress up as whatever they want, right? And usually, parents, if they're really really good parents, will help make an amazing costume for their kids, or they'll just go and buy one. Maybe still good parents, but perhaps slightly busier busier parents. Then, on a specific night, it doesn't absolutely have to be. Halloween, on a specific night, they will go around in the evening, usually supervised by parents, but groups of kids supervised by either their parents or a parent with a group of kids. They will go around the neighborhood, and this is often in suburban neighborhoods, right, where there's a, a lot of houses kind of close together. They'll go around, and then they'll knock on the doors as a group, and they will say... Now let's watch that part. 
Okay, so actually the key thing there that they're saying, if you can hear it, is trick or treat. Trick or treat is just the traditional thing to say. The trick would be to do something bad to trick them. That doesn't really happen ever. Or treat, give me something. So it's always the treat. So the people in the neighborhood will prepare as a this happens, I believe, at my, my mother's house. She lives in a kind of community. She prepares a bowl of candy, and the kids go around and knock on the door and say trick-or-treat, and then they get candy, and they put it in their bags. This is the most amazing thing about Halloween for kids because <laughs> now you have permission to eat candy, and you, you, you're excited about some things and not excited about others. I have vivid memories about, oh, I got uh, three musketeers. Ooh, I got a Snickers bar. Oh, a big Snickers bar, full size, king size. That's very rare to get a king size, but a full size candy bar would be mind blowing. And then the crappy stuff would be uh, uh, maybe uh, I don't like uh, uh, licorice, so a little piece of licorice or a gumball, or something, something cinnamon. Ugh, ugh. Give me the candy bars, basically, or a box of something uh, fruity like uh, uh, Nerds. I don't know if Nerds is fruity, but Nerds is a pretty classic one. You know, big stuff, substantial stuff, exciting stuff, chocolatey stuff, right? Very exciting. So the whole process of going around, it's at night or in the evening, it's kind of exciting, uh, you're, you've got your bag, you're going around to different places and saying trick-or-treat. It's just an interesting time. And then people's houses might be decorated. During the Halloween season, people will decorate their houses with scary stuff. Uh, black cats and ghosts. My neighbor, one of my neighbors nearby, have has a giant inflatable demon that's almost as tall as their house, hanging over their house with glowing eyes. It's pretty cool. And my wife, when she saw it, said, I want that. And I said, no way. <laughs> Pass. Pass on that. But it, it looks pretty cool. So some people go absolutely crazy, and they'll spend thousands of dollars turning their house, the outside of their house, into a demonic mansion from the 15th century, it, it, you know, like a castle. It, it, it's crazy, but some people really love to do it. And usually those are also the people who go all in on Christmas decorations. People love to decorate their houses. Uh, so that, that it is what it is, I guess. It's cool. And so you can drive around during Halloween and look at people's uh, decorations, the spider webs, or some people put out tombstones in their yard to make it look like a cemetery, right? So anyway, that's just to give you a sense for what it feels like. And again, it's all about the candy. And uh, I guess to a lesser extent, it's about the costumes. But I think candy is probably primary for kids. Now, what's the cutoff, you may wonder? There is no hard cutoff age, but if you're a 15-year-old walking around trick-or-treating, that's weird. You shouldn't do that. I guess the age, if I were to just give a general sort of range, I would say probably age, let's say between 8 and 10, I think, is a pretty good time to stop trick-or-treating. And the prime time would be between age 4 and 
eight or nine. I think that's prime trick-or-treating age. That's just my sense. Okay. Okay, so... Can I have an extra piece of candy for my... Can I have an extra piece of candy for my brother? She's Stupid like, brother. Stupid he couldn't brother. come with us because he's sitting in a pumpkin patch waiting for the great pumpkin. It's so embarrassing to have to ask for something extra for that blockhead Linus. Exposition. I got five pieces of candy. Blockhead is a classic Charlie Brown insult. Such a blockhead. People don't really use it anymore, but it's really classic. Okay, so they're standing. This is, again, a classic scene. They're all standing around in their costumes, looking into their bags after they went up to the door. And they want to see what they got. I got a chocolate bar. Nice. I got a quarter. I got quarter. a rock. A quarter? That's extremely uncommon. It's usually just candy. Uh, this is... Unless you're Charlie Brown, who gets a rock, very unusual. If I saw Charlie Brown, I would also give him a rock. He's Trick crazy. or treat! Trick or treat. More stuff. Yep, classic. Charlie Brown's the one with the, all the holes. Gee, I got a candy bar. Boy, I got three cookies. Gee, boy. That dates it to the 1950s or 60s. People don't say gee anymore. Boy. Almost never. But that's one of those... Uh, that's one of those expressions, an exclamation, right? That uh, an interjection, we could call it. Wow, geez, great. Wow is common. G is not common anymore. And boy is also not common. But they used to express excitement. Hey, I got a package of gum. I got a rock. <laughs> Everyone gives Charlie Brown a rock. Trick or treat. Trick or treat. I got a popcorn ball. I got a fetch ball. I got a pack of gum. I got a rock. <laughs> Charlie Brown always gets a rock. So that's the general idea. That's the general, I think, vibe that we get with uh, with Halloween. And I think that depicts it pretty well, except for the rock thing. Um, that sense of excitement. You would normally, though, see some parents around. In Charlie Brown, you only see, I think, their legs and when they talk, it sounds like, pop, 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 pop. it sounds like that when they're talking. So anyway, that's for kids, right? The candy, the trick-or-treating. And sometimes there are other activities like toilet papering. That's another thing. People go around and throw toilet paper into their friends' trees. And then they have to clean it up, which parents absolutely hate. Of course, right? Okay. So what about adults then? What about adult Halloween? It's a great it's a great question. Is it the same? Do adults go around? No. But adults do celebrate Halloween. Not all of them, of course, but many like to. Does that involve costumes, dressing up as something? Absolutely as well. The difference is that usually it is for social events parties. So someone, maybe someone you know, might say, I'm having or I'm throwing, having, throwing a Halloween party. Great. Your first question would be, dress up or not? Costumes or not? So probably yes, if you're having a Halloween party, it's an interesting season, the weather's getting colder, it's fun to dress up. So most people who have a Halloween party will have a 
dress-up party or a costume party. There you have people still dressing as superheroes or people get very creative. You can find some very creative costumes, maybe dressing up as a, I don't know, a giant cigarette carton or dressing up as their significant other or maybe dressing up as, I don't know, dressing up as Harry Potter. That's usually my costume because I I just can't be bothered to go through uh, I don't have that sense of ritual anymore, I think. It, it doesn't excite me, so I just think, what can I get away with? I have a pair of Harry Potter-like glasses. I'll wear, I wear those, and then I just, I just take some mascara and draw a little lightning bolt on my forehead, and that's my costume. <laughs> people say, oh, Harry Potter... It's it's not it's a very low effort because people can say, well, where's your school uniform? I can just say, I'm grown up Harry Potter. I don't wear my school uniform anymore. I'm adult Harry Potter. I still have the scar and the glasses, but I just wear normal clothes, okay? And sometimes, well, I used to have a wand, but it got stolen in Africa, and now I don't have it anymore. So I, I need to get another another wand. That's a, that's a tale for another day, perhaps. So, that's generally speaking how Halloween works. The Halloween parties for adults, they have drinks are involved, no candy is involved, uh, they might have uh, sexy costumes, some people will dress up in a sexy costume, uh, usually usually women, well, not, not always, they can dress up as anything, but Obviously, that's an adult thing. That's a thing, right? Uh, so when you go into a Halloween pop-up store, because there are seasonal stores that open, usually the, the companies like, I think it's called Spirit, might be called Spirit Halloween, they'll find an empty store and then they'll rent it for three months during that season. You can go in and buy costumes and things for your kids. You can also buy decorations for your yard and you can buy adult Halloween costumes for going to Halloween parties, okay? That's the general picture. That's generally how it works. All the other stuff is really just imagery. Uh, the, the pumpkins and the jack-o'-lanterns and the ghosts and the stuff, it's, it's kind of in the background, right? It's not like there's a, a ceremony or a tradition where we go to a cemetery and we say, ghosts, we offer you these this pumpkin pie and the Snickers bar. There's nothing really ceremonial in that sense. All of that dark imagery, that dark symbolism, the webs and the, the, the giant spiders and the that stuff, which I think is very cool, it's all background, right? And it's not something that we most people in America will actively engage in other than dressing up as that, perhaps, dressing up as a demon or perhaps decorating their home or their yard in that sort of way, okay? So, let me know how you celebrate Halloween, if you do or if you ever have. If you haven't already done so, also, check out my full courses in the links in the description, and don't forget to hit the like button, subscribe, or just in general, support the channel. Okay, now I want to see if we have any questions Following up on that, let's do a quick check mark. We have covered Halloween. I do want to get into differences in just a moment. 
We'll see if I missed any questions here. Uh, we have Luba here and Vitali, Karina. Hello, welcome, welcome. Uh, throwing toilet paper is a tradition. It's really terrible uh, that I did it. I'm ashamed to say I did it as a kid and as an adult. I think it's insane. Uh, my friend Sean told me, Luba says, that his neighbor is a strange bird. She is in her late 40s, but she comes to his parents every year to trick and treat. Trick or treat. She wears a costume and a uh, of a box costume of a box with pencils. I have to say that is extremely weird. That is absolutely bizarre that an adult would go trick-or-treating. I've never heard of that in my entire life. I remember when I was a kid trick-or-treating and I would see a 15-year-old sometimes, you know, a teenager trick-or-treating. I thought at the time, whoa, that's weird, right? I live in a neighborhood where the neighbors aren't super close together. There are kids nearby, but it's not like a it's not like a community. The neighbors are kind of far away. And so <laughs> I bought a bag of can of small candy bars, minis. I know I'm the lame one who's not giving the full size, but okay. <laughs> it's just a, a backup plan. Just in case on Halloween, somebody shows up knocking at my door. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm 95% sure it will not happen. Just in case it does, I'm ready. I have a bag of candy bars. I will probably give, if anyone shows up, I'll probably give them the whole bag. Because uh, I, I just have it as a backup. And I don't want them. I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a variety bag. It's got... Crunch bars, Butterfingers, and maybe Three Musketeers, I think. Yeah. Well, that's bizarre, Luba. Uh, absolutely crazy. We bought a cute cross Gary, not sure what that is, and put it at the front door and some chocolate candy ready in case kids knocking the door. There you go. Yep, same strategy for me. Trying to please her mother, isn't it? Well, if you have someone who's an adult doing it, I think it's still very strange. What's the most common candies on Halloween, says Miriam. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Uh, I think the sort of, if you were to do a Google search, and I suppose, you know, why not? I'll just do that quickly. And you were to do a Google search of popular candy bars, okay? Uh, you're going to come up with a, a list, and I would say that list is pretty much what you're going to get for Halloween. Now, most candy bars have a they have a mini version, and they have a regular version, and sometimes they have a king size version, right? So I'm just going to read some of these that I see here. Sour Patch Kids. Okay, these are actually not the candy bars. These are more of this just sweet candy. So you have the two categories. I should I should say this clearly. So you have two general categories, candy bars, which are chocolate and have stuff inside, and then candy, like movie theater candy, which uh, which I'm showing here, which is often sweet but not chocolatey, sometimes chocolatey but maybe less often chocolatey, maybe a little fruity, maybe sour instead of, instead of a candy bar, which might be sweet and possibly sweet and salty, 
depending on which one you get. For example, a Snickers bar has a little bit of saltiness to it, right? A Reese's cup has its chocolate and it's got peanut butter inside, which is mm -mm, delicious. My favorite might be, mm, it's a tough call. Maybe I like the Three Musketeers. I like the Mounds bar, which has coconut in it. A lot of people hate that. I'm a big fan. And I think I would go for maybe the uh, Reese's Cup is, is great. Then the other one, the, the candy candy would be Sour Patch Kids, Nerds, I'm just reading here, Twizzlers, Dots, which are sort of sweet gummy things, Airheads, Sprees, and uh, I'm seeing Mike and Ike's, which I'm not a big fan of the Mike and Ike's. Uh, what else do we have here? Swedish Fish. And that's, I mean, that's the, that's the, those are the common ones. Hot, hot, I think hot tamales. Is that what I see? There's, yeah, there's one that's cinnamony. It's hot and cinnamony, which is absolutely gross in my opinion. I don't think that cinnamon belongs in a candy. I mean, cinnamon has its place, but not in a candy. And here are here are some of the chocolate bars. Three Musketeers, uh, 100 grand, 100 grand, which is an interesting one. Baby Ruth, the payday, no thanks. It's just peanuts inside. Snickers, Hershey's, very boring. Mr. Good Bar, Twix, Milky Way, Take Five, Butterfinger, Kit Kat, Mounds, Almond Joy. Almond Joy and Mounds are the same thing, except Almond Joy has coconut and almonds instead of just coconut, which is what the Mounds has. And that's, of course, not all of them, but those are some of the common ones. And I think most people would probably give out the mini version instead of the full-size version. Maybe they feel like they're protecting kids from uh, diabetes or something. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're just cheap. I, I think that it's probably just the second one. I don't know. Kit Kat is interesting because you can share it very easily. But why would you want to share uh, candy? I don't get that. Uh, whatchamacallit is a newer one. I think that came out when I was around 10 years old or something. It's called a whatchamacallit, what, which means what do you call that? What do you call that? A short way to say that, or a, let's say a slangy way to say that is whatchamacallit. And so they named the candy bar whatchamacallit. And it's a it's a wafer. It's a wafer, and it's pretty good, actually. Of all the candy bars, I, th I still think there's something interesting about the Three Musketeers. It's got an interesting texture. I don't know. That might be my top one. Okay. Uh, do adults also order candy or, well, for Halloween, adults have nothing to do with candy, except that maybe if they have kids taking their kids around the neighborhood so that they can get candy. Uh, adults eat candy as adults, especially if they go to movies, you would get candy. So it's not that adults never eat candy. It's that they don't engage with candy on Halloween. I hope that makes sense. Uh, okay. Let's see. All right, let's move on. I think we can move on to uh, something else. I want to compare, I want to do a word comparison thing. Uh, and uh, then I will get back to any questions if you have them. So if you have questions about Halloween uh, stuff or whatever, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We will get there. Okay. Okay, okay, okay.
So probably the most common type of question I get is word differences. What's the difference between this and that? What's the difference between these two words that are similar or sometimes the same? Well, let me tell you, it is actually rare for two words to be exactly the same. The word synonym means two words that are the same, same meaning. But most of the time, it's that they overlap, maybe a lot of the time, but sometimes they're not the same. So that part of their meanings, or, or maybe one of one meaning of one word is different from one meaning of another, but their main meaning is similar, if that makes sense, right? So I thought what I would do is show you a website that allows you to compare words side by side. You know how they have, for example, websites when you want to buy a camera where you can actually choose two cameras and then they'll bring up all of this, the uh, details of both cameras side by side so you can do a side by side comparison. Well, wouldn't it be awesome to have a way to do that for words? right? Well, it would be. I'm not giving a full endorsement of this website, but I found it to be quite interesting as a way to quickly look things up. Now, I will share something that I don't like about it, but uh, I think it is interesting, as I said. I'm not recommending this as a full-on dictionary website. For that, I always recommend the free dictionary.com. That is my personal favorite dictionary website for many reasons, but just want to compare things side by side, okay? So why don't we why don't we take a look at this website? It's called, as you might imagine, <laughs> comparewords.com. And the interface is, is, is stupid simple. Uh, it's very, very simple, which which could be a good thing, right? Now, they give you two examples. The issue I have with this is that you do have to come up with words that make sense to compare because if they don't make sense to compare, it won't return a result. So my suggestion for them would be to offer recommendations uh, to you to help you find two words to compare if the two words you're thinking don't quite work. That's a relatively minor thing. Okay, so what we're going to do because it is, hey, it is Halloween. We're going to go with costume, because on Halloween, people wear costumes. So we're going to go with costume. And we're going to go with, oops, I, oops, that's a U, not an I. What the heck is wrong with me? And disguise. Okay. So you might know both words. Again, synonyms, yeah, sometimes, always, absolutely not. Okay, so what's the difference between costume and disguise? We go to compare. And it gives us the side-by-side -side of these two, along with some odd advertising about buying coins with snakes on them. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so costume, definition. Dress in general, especially the distinctive style of dress, of a people class or period. So there we're thinking a costume of a, uh, a knight uh, or a costume of a, maybe a samurai warrior, right? Okay. 
Number two, such an arrangement of accessories as in a picture, statue, poem, or play as is appropriate to the time, place, or other circumstances. So similar to the first meaning, but something you would put on maybe as part of a, you're in a performance, right? And you need to dress up as a tree or a Shakespearean uh, uh, Victorian era uh, peasant or whatever, okay? A character of dress used at fancy balls or for dramatic purposes. Also, so these are all very closely related, okay? All right, so, so we've got, I think, the first three. We've got some example sentences we could read through, but uh, okay, let's, let's try one of those. Uh, in, let's see, Man of Steel gets three stars from him thanks, to, thanks largely to an opening section that creates a plausible context for the introspection and self-doubt that dogs, that dogs the adult version of this costumed warrior. Uh, that's a very long way to say costumed warrior. They could have just said, uh, uh, Man of Steel has a costumed warrior named Superman in it. <laughs> that would make it a little easier, but I think they're pulling these they're probably using an API to pull these from news sources, which is not necessarily a bad way because you're getting at least real, uh, real sentences. Okay. All right. Now let's look at disguise and see if we can differentiate because we know, yeah, yeah, they're sometimes the same, but sometimes different. Okay. Definition, disguise, to change the guise or appearance of, especially to conceal by an unusual dress or one intended to mislead or deceive. Mm, okay. So we have an interesting difference here. They're both potentially putting something on, but maybe one would be to fit into a context for Halloween, for example, or you're in a play or maybe as, well, what would be another? A movie. You're in a movie or, or the actors in a movie are wearing costumes, right? For whatever reason, you need to fit into a specific context so you wear a costume. But, right, to change the guise or appearance of, to conceal by an unusual dress or one intended to mislead. So this disguise feels more like, I'm not wearing it for fun. I'm not wearing it because I'm in a play. I'm wearing it because I want to hide my identity. I don't want you to know who I really am, right? So I put my Harry Potter lightning scar on. I don't want people to know it's really me. And then when I wipe it off, people say, oh, it's Luke, it's you. I had no idea with your scar on your forehead. I thought it was Harry Potter. It was you the whole time. Amazing, right? So there's a feeling of, for disguise, actually wanting to wanting people to not know who you are, right? So there you get into the territory of spies. So spies may actually need to look like someone else in order to get through security, in order to get into a special room, right? They have to, if they're dressed up as a security guard, they're not doing it for Halloween. That would be a costume. What's your costume? I'm a security guard. That's a pretty boring costume, but it's a costume because it's for Halloween. It's for a party, right? You're doing it to fit into the atmosphere of the party. If it's 
If you're dressed as a security guard, it may be exactly the same clothes, but now you have a different purpose. You want the other security guards to just salute you and say, pass on through, okay, here you go, so that you can break in and steal the jewels or whatever it is, right? So it's often the intention, even though it's the, it could be, potentially be the same exact thing that you're wearing. Okay, let's read the second definition here. To hide by a counterfeit appearance, to cloak by a false show, to mask, as to disguise anger. Okay, so yeah, also you can do it with emotions. If you are if you say, oh, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> but actually you're <laughs> furious underneath. That would be disguising your emotions. To disguise one, one's sentiments, characters, or intentions. Oh, all right. A dress or exterior put on for purposes of concealment or of deception as persons doing unlawful acts in disguise are subject to heavy penalties. Okay, so hiding something, concealing something, not revealing something. Let's look at one or two example sentences. Watson asked if the donations from Grudgeon and McCoy were disguised because they were both gentlemen who make money. They were both gentlemen who could make money if they had a favorable decision in respect to wall along. What the heck? That's a terrible example. Okay, let's look for something a little simpler here. So the, a couple of these are about disguising your intentions, disguising your emotions rather than a physical uniform. So that is an important one to mention, right? Uh, no effort to disguise her distaste for American diplomatic support of Britain. That means to hide her distaste for that, right? But I want to see one that's not disguising feelings. I want to see one that's disguising... Uh, uh, I want to see one that's a disguise. Uh, where is a, a literal disguise, a physical disguise? In disguise and structuring, okay. Um, okay, so here's what I think about these examples then. Um, I think that this website, which is interesting, right, has a couple issues that you have to just consider. Number one, I'm guessing here that they're just pulling definitions from dictionaries and putting them side by side, right? And so what happens as a result it's not super duper readable right so you have the, the 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 definitions are hard to understand themselves kind of whereas a dictionary like a vocabulary.com or the free dictionary.com they would have fairly clearly written easy to read definitions that you can understand when you read them right so they're just pulling something in and so I think that makes it a little bit, a little bit less useful. We can get the broad picture, right? And then on the examples, I think, for example, disguise here has way too many example sentences about the disguise your emotions or your intentions and not enough examples about a disguise, a physical thing that you would wear. I'm not really seeing one of those at all. There should be, there should be at least one and I think it should be close to the top. So feel free to check out this tool if you like, and if you don't like, then feel free to not check it out, but at least give it a try before 
coming to me and saying, Luke, can you explain the differences between these words? Number one, because I'm not always available, right? I'm not, I, I, I can't always be there. I can try, I can do my best, but it, it's not always possible, right? So this is just one of the tools in your tool belt. If you find it useful, let me know what you think of it. Let me know if you're able to figure out the differences and similarities between words. Otherwise, of course, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. Also, feel free to check out my full courses in the links in the description. Uh, okay, so yes, I, I, I wish that the free dictionary had a side-by-side -side version. I think that would be very cool because... Uh, they have so many great tools. I love the free dictionary, but that's one thing I don't think they have. Okay. A blessing in disguise, Luba says. That is a common expression or idiom that I think um, is worth knowing. That means that something that looks bad on its surface actually turns out to be a good thing in the long run. Usually you don't know that it's a good thing until later, but then when you see the consequences, you say, oh yeah, actually, that was a blessing in disguise. I thought it was terrible, but it turned out to be great. All right, I'm going to take a very quick water drinking break, or rather, rather energy drinking break. And then we, excuse me, and then we can proceed. And again, if you have questions, if those watching live have questions, feel free to let me know. I might have missed a few up there, but uh, uh, I want to keep on trucking. Uh, okay. Tube Vision says, Luke, an off-track question. Where did you stay in China four years ago? Uh, four years ago, I didn't stay in China. <laughs> I, was living in, I was living in New York four years ago. I lived in China before, but it wasn't four years ago. Good question. I've been I've been to most places. Well, not most. I can't say most places. I've been to many parts of China. Many parts of China. And there are places of Ch in China that I would like to go that I have not been to. Uh, okay. So I, I wanted to just briefly, I do have a phrasal verb I want to talk about and share with you, but I wanted to just briefly cover the uh, the Elon Musk Twitter stuff that has been happening because I think it is pretty interesting and I think it's worth just, uh, it's worth bringing up. So, you know, obviously what I like to do is connect it back to English. So we'll, we'll talk about a couple of the of the phrases, of the words and phrases that we find, because I, I think that that's, uh, that it's a, honestly, it's a great source. Um, news is a fantastic source of, uh, of new idioms and expressions, and the one we're going to look at is no exception to that. Uh, um, but also, I think there's a larger point to make about it. I have an opinion on it, which I, I may I may share. We'll see. Okay. So, you might have heard that Twitter, 
was acquired, purchased by Elon Musk. And there's been a video going around of him walking into Twitter headquarters for the first time to meet and fire some of the team. <laughs> he did fire some people immediately. He had a sink in his hand, okay, so, or in his, in his arms. He care, was carrying what looked like a bathroom sink. So we'll talk about maybe w what's going on there, why he was doing that, and uh, uh, linguistically, maybe what was happening too. But I want to just show a video to give you a, an idea, a bit of context about what is what the heck is going on here, okay? So here we go, uh, and and then as I said, we're going to pull out some English words and phrases and talk about this. Reporting that Tesla CEO Elon Musk is now at the helm of the social media giant this morning. Now at the helm of, so I don't want to stop so early. Uh, okay, I can't help myself. I can't helm. I can't helm myself. So uh, helm is uh, related to a crown. And uh, so I'll just write that down quickly. Crown. And that is associated with helm. The front of something, the helm is often the front or the head of something. It is a crown. It is the head. Often we say head, helm, crown in a similar way. So being at the helm is either being in front of, being in the leadership position of that, or being in charge of that, being at the top of that, being at the head of that. They're all kind of synonymous there. Okay, I promise I won't stop that often. That's a not a, actually I don't promise. Citing multiple sources, Musk had until today to complete that back and forth forty-four billion dollar deal or face a battle in court. And a potential sign. Uh, face a battle in court, okay, in court, meaning that if he hadn't purchased Twitter, then they were going to try to force him to because he said he would and must have made some sort of obligation and so could be somehow sued or forced to if he didn't do it willingly, a battle, which would be a court battle. Musk was closing in on the takeover. He posted this video, take a look at it, of his arrival at Twitter's headquarters in San Francisco this week. As you can see, it looks like that is a sink. Yep, just a normal sink. Hmm. Saying he's met with several people at the company. NBC News technology correspondent Jake Ward joins us now with the latest and hopefully an answer as to what is going on with the <laughs> sink. Okay, so you heard a couple of, a couple of things there. I'm going to go back. Jake Ward joins us now with the latest. And Moving in see, looks like that is a sink. Yep, just a, take a look at it. Of his arrival at Twitter's headquarters in San Francisco. Oh, in court. In a potential sign, Musk was closing in on the takeover. He posted this. Okay, in a potential sign, Musk was closing in, closing in. So moving in and closing in is, I think, a very, very interesting, useful, uh, uh, well, it's a phrasal verb moving in and closing in. Now, moving in has actually a couple of different meanings. To move in could be you bought a new house or you're renting a new place and you take your stuff and put it in there. You move in. I'm moving in next week. But also, moving in can be used to mean getting closer. The, the lion is moving in on its prey. I don't know what accent that was, sorry. 
the the gazelle. Let me try to do my uh, Australian. The gazelle, and that's terrible. It's prey. It, the gazelle is moving in on its prey. Ah, that's that's not good. I gotta work on my. I gotta. I'm getting rusty. So there's a thing here and a thing here that's getting closer to it, right? And you can also use closing in. And think of, again, sort of a lion or a tiger crawling, prowling, moving in the direction of its potential prey. We use the same language to talk about something that probably will happen, something that is inevitable, or something that we're trying to make happen. So if we're closing in on a deal, there's a lot going on, a lot of negotiations, a lot of disagreements, potentially a court battle, right? Uh, which is the other thing I, I mentioned, a court, a court battle, right? But if you're moving in, you're moving in the direction of that, you're trying to get there. You're closing in, you're getting closer and closer. So it gives us a feeling of getting closer. It gives us a feeling of it not being very easy, not necessarily step by step. It gives us a feeling for things like deals and negotiations that there is a lot happening. There's a lot going on, but at least people are working on it. So we know that they're working on it because they are closing in on that. They are moving in on that. Okay. This video, take a look at it, of his arrival at Twitter's headquarters in San Francisco this week. As so uh, two things with the sync. So when he tweeted this, he initially said, in his tweet that tweeted this, he said, let that sink in. So there's a bit of a pun there. And uh, so maybe we can just quickly talk about that. Let it sink in. Is a slow realization or understanding. So he's doing a visual pun. Okay, so the word sink has a couple of different meanings. One meaning of sink is what he's carrying there in his hands, the basin for washing your hands or washing dishes, right? So similar to a basin. And the other meaning of sink, which means to go down in some way, is associated with this phrase. So sink means to go down, to sink in, right? Is you, you heard something, you understand it, but you don't really feel your understanding yet, right? And this might be when we get some news and it takes us a moment to kind of really wrap our minds around it. Just let that sink in. Okay. 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 All right. So maybe a friend. You find out something about your friend you had no idea about, right? You suddenly realize, or you, you hear, you didn't know this. You you, you realize that your, your friend has... Or, or, or can speak fluently 20 languages. You had no idea that your friend even spoke two languages, 20 languages at perfect fluency. And you hear that and you understand the words, but wait, okay, I'm, I need to let this sink in. I need to process it so that I can really feel it or understand it a little more deeply. So if something sinks in, it might happen over time, it might happen over a week, right? Your life circumstances change, something terrible happens, something great happens. It, it takes a while to really fully process it. So that, that's similar to uh, sort of a process 
processing. Uh, and it's not about just understanding it, right? If you win a, a million dollars in the lottery, yeah, you know you won a million dollars, but it didn't really sink in until three months later when I had to, uh, well, I don't know, what would happen when you win? I don't even know. I don't even know what you would do. What would you do with a million dollars? When I was standing in front of my brand new house that I had purchased with my uh, my money that I got after paying taxes on my million dollars, <laughs> which is probably like half of that or something like that, maybe. Okay, moving on and actually moving on for real this time, I think, hopefully. As you can see, it looks like that is a sink. Yep, just a normal sink. Hmm. Saying he's met with several people at the company. NBC News technology correspondent Jake Ward joins us now with the latest and hopefully an answer as to what is going on with the <laughs> sink. Uh, Jake, good to see you. So CNBC is also reporting that two top Twitter executives have already left the company. They won't be coming back. Walk us through what we know about where we're at with the deal and the fallout. And Walk us through where we're at is a phrase. It's also a very useful phrase if you don't know that one. I think I think you probably do, but I'll just write it down. Walk me through. Walk, can you walk me through that? That means slowly and step by step. That's what I do, right? That's what I'm doing with this video. As a teacher, my job is to walk you through things that might be somewhat complicated. So you have a thing that happened, but then you need to understand it. And so hopefully someone can walk you through it. A concept, an event, an idea, a thing that happened yesterday. I'm going to step by step explain it to, to you so that you can understand it. So this is sort of a teaching thing, uh, uh, opening something, unfolding something so that it's easier to understand by others. I am walking you through the meaning of walk me through now. So it's getting a bit meta. And I mean, yeah, if you know anything about the sink, we'd appreciate that information as well. Well, that's right. <laughs> I'm not sure I can answer the sink thing. It seems to have been a meme he wanted to put in. He put uh, the caption of that tweet, uh, let that sink in. Mm. Uh, so, uh, you know, trying to sort of extend his range as a meme lord, it seems. But uh, we know that this week he was closing in on this. You know, he had been up against the wall. If, he, if, the, if this day, Friday, had gone by, 2 p.m. today, uh, Pacific, if that had gone by and he hadn't closed the deal, then he would be open to a new trial. By the way, we're not watching this whole thing. We're just trying to get the first sort of uh, the main piece here. We're not going to look at the whole discussion. I want to be clear on that in case you're looking at the timeline here. The plan is to just cover the initial details uh, of this, the story. Uh, he is up against the wall. He was up against the wall. So to be up against the wall means you you're not a, you don't have a lot of options, right? If you imagine backing your back up against the wall or someone is backing you up against the wall, you can't go back any further. You might go left or right, but you can't go back anymore. So it gives us a feeling of being in a situation that is not maybe completely unavoidable, uh, some bad thing being completely unavoidable, but at least maybe more difficult, right? Our options suddenly become limited. If our back is up against the wall, someone might be putting pressure on us, right? Someone might be forcing us to do something. Someone might be, someone might say, hey, 
if you don't if you don't pay me by Thursday, right? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to break your kneecaps. <laughs> Say, yeah, okay, my back is up against the wall because I need to figure out how to have this money on time so that I can keep my kneecaps. That's an extreme example, but here in this case, Elon Musk is facing potentially a court battle if he doesn't because he flirted with buying Twitter so often it caused problems for Twitter. They have grounds for forcing him to buy Twitter or suing him for, I think it was a billion dollars or something, forcing him to do something in court. Uh, so he had to take action. He had to either just buy it or deal with the court battle and his options became limited. And when your options are limited in that way, in this case would be a perfect example, your back is up against the wall or you can say you're just up against the wall, back up against the wall or up against the wall. Either way is pretty much fine. Which nobody seems to have wanted, and he seems to have closed this deal after waffling over the past few months as to whether he really wanted to pursue. I'm not going to write that down. After waffling, great, great word. Waffling is suggests indecision. <laughs> waffling over what I want for dinner, waffling over. Uh, whether to have coffee or tea, should have coffee or tea, waffling over whether to buy Twitter or not, should I buy it or not, coffee, tea, Twitter, no Twitter, eh, I'm waffling, indecision. Sue Twitter, so now he seems to be in charge. Sources inside say that yes, the CEO, Parag Agrawal, uh, the CFO, and the head of trust and safety, who is a member of the legal team, uh, were all let go and may have even been escorted from the building. So he let go means fired. So what happened was Elon Musk came in there to after buying Twitter, we bought Twitter, we put 44 billion dollars on the on the table said, here you go then he walked in with a sink and said hey everybody i'm here and so he met the employees and then he immediately fired several people i don't know how many people in total this seems to say pe three people but i've heard it's even more he seems to be firing a lot of top people because he wants to reset the company and reset the culture right so i think this is this is very interesting and i just want to quickly talk about it because I think it um, it's good for culture and it's good for language. So I work with language a lot. That is that is my thing, right? And language is something that needs to be, I think, as open as possible because it changes so quickly when you have a when you have a conversation with another person you might start to develop a little shorthand between you there's almost like a culture between you the better you get to know that other person or maybe a small group of friends the more you start to develop a kind of special way of speaking right and so someone listening from the outside will have maybe no idea what you're saying or someone from the out someone listening from the outside might hear what you're saying and misunderstand it think you're saying something horrible when actually you're not saying something horrible right so this is the way that language happens the philosopher Wittgenstein called this a language game 
right? All we do is play language games. And we have language games at different levels. We have one with ourselves. We have one with people around us, right? The, those two people, those two close friends. And we have one more broadly, for example, within our cultures, right? There's the language game of the English language, but then there's also the language game of British English. But then there might also be the language game of my family or or your spouse, right? Or your best friend. So each of those is different. I think these are very important games to play because they are they uh, help to move the language forward, whatever language it is. They help. These, these are little experiments happening every second, every moment, millions and millions of little experiments that over time shift the language this way or that way. That's why we have things that we just don't say anymore. Well, how do you know that you shouldn't say those things anymore? Because it's kind of just been decided within your language game, right? And that's that whole thing might be called the zeitgeist. But, you know, in language, that might be just a norm, right? Or something that is understood within the culture. And if you violate that and you commit a faux pas, it's not that you can't say it, but if you say it, it's a bit of a faux pas, but that's a very natural process. So what I think then happened with large social media companies is that they started to get, and they have become extremely powerful, right? And the problem is they've started to decide what can and can't be said when it's actually impossible to know the subtle nuances about what was really being said, right? And so how can they know exactly, right, what if that's actually the wrong thing to say? Again, it's a natural process of people just knowing that I probably shouldn't say that and not something that any rule decides. No one says, therefore, you cannot say this, right? So I think a lot of the platforms, for example, around, this is just my opinion here, misinformation. There's this idea of misinformation. Well, how do you decide what misinformation is if the people who decide also change their minds as they get new information? This is a big issue around COVID. There was misinformation that eventually became correct information because science, the science was updated. So I think as soon as you start making too many rules about, okay, if you say these things, you will be banned, then you can't participate in the conversation. The conversation happens on YouTube. The conversation happens, the public conversation happens on Facebook. The public conversation happens uh, on, on Twitter and these social media platforms, right? So, of, of course, it makes sense to have limits, right, uh, to the same limits that you might have in in real life right uh, you don't let uh, you don't let people who are smoking into the park where the kids are playing so there are limits in real life and i think that it makes sense to have limits but if there are so many limits that those little experiments that happen all the time become limited then i think that the, there's an issue the language is fixed in place and those big platforms have a little too much power, right? So I, I don't even know what Elon Musk is going to do with Twitter. This is, again, just my opinion. And I'm really trying to look at it 
not from a political lens, but a language lens. I think that those little experiments, those little language games are very important. And I think that they should also happen on platforms because that's where a lot of that's where we're communicating more and more these days, right? We communicate more on these platforms than we do often in real life. At least I do, right? So what would happen would be one person might say something naughty and then all of them, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, they would all sort of ban that person at one time immediately, okay? Dangerous person saying bad things, ban, 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 ban. And so they started to not only be very powerful individual companies, but they started to collect together and become one sort of mega platform, YouTube and Twitter, all of them. And so that's a that's a little scary because it's it starts to it it's kind of this thing that's solidifying, which is saying you cannot say that. But once they make a rule that says you cannot say that, how do they know that 10 seconds after they made the rule, two people didn't get together and use those exact words in a completely different way in their own little private language game that made perfect sense and would have helped the language evolve, but it wasn't allowed to happen. And so the experiment didn't get to happen. And so the language couldn't change, right? That's my whole, my whole issue with the trend toward deciding what can and can't be said like that, right? Okay. So with Twitter then being owned by a guy who, who looks like he believes in generally people being able to say what they want, having opinions that are controversial, uh, and and being a, a being more not completely but more open with speech, I think is a good thing for language. Hopefully, by separating itself from that solidifying mass of language regulation that has been happening with these big platforms, hopefully they will have to now compete with the one where people can more or less not worry about their account being deleted because they had the wrong opinion. And now I, I haven't had to deal with that, but a lot of people have. They, they get banned. You get, uh, you, get, you get deleted. You get deleted from the internet. <laughs> you built up 100,000 followers on Twitter and then you're gone. Well, that's kind of like uh, being executed on the internet. <laughs> They just decide it, right? So I think it could be a good balancing force that could open things up a little bit better, kind of like causing a little chaos that can hopefully uh, make it so those other platforms look at Twitter and say, oh, okay, I guess we have to change the way we're doing things a little bit in order to sort of compete with Twitter as a platform. I hope. I, I, don't, I don't know what he's planning to do. I'm not an expert on this, obviously, but again, looking at it purely from the the way that the way that language changes, which is something that I love and is very important to culture, every single culture, I think it's possibly a good thing, but I suppose I suppose we'll see. Okay. Um Luba says, Luke, I adore your way to explain the words. They will stick in my mind forever. Oh, thank you, Luba. I really appreciate that. I agree that it's important to have a way to explain and understand words so that those words really stick. I think that is absolutely essential. 
Okay, so we've talked about word differences. Uh, I wanted to co just bring up the Twitter thing. We talked about a few words and phrases there. Uh, thank you for indulging in my opinion on that. Uh, if you disagree, I'd love to hear your uh, your thoughts, but that is, that's how I, I feel about it. As a language teacher, right, uh, I'm not really even affected by those those sorts of rules that I was talking about, but I like the idea that I could say something very controversial. I like the idea that I could spread misinformation if I wanted to <laughs> and not not have my uh, my channels banned. That would be great. That would be cool. Uh, I want to I get to dress up, but if you have any questions about any of the words or phrases we've been talking about so far, please let me know. I'm going to take a quick sip of my drink. If you want to, um, mm, so good. If you want to join tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Saturday, Mushroom, my wife, and I will be sitting down like we did last Saturday to have a conversation. It's going to be a bit of a birthday thing, kind of. Uh, so my birthday is on Monday, but uh, so feel free to join for that. That will be live as well. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, so Monday, if you if you want to give me a birthday gift, sign up for the course that I believe will be out by the thirty first. I will. I'm going to send out an email. Uh, I will post it in various places. So look out for it. It is a course on writing. Uh, I have an email course, but that's more focused on how to write clear emails. This is about just how to write well. It's an eight-hour course focused on how to write effectively, and I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's. I think it's good. So look out for that. I will be launching it at a very discounted price, as I always do when I launch a course. I launch it at its best price. And also, uh, those watching, feel free to uh, hit the like button, subscribe. It's a very small action you can take at least to hit the thumbs up or the like button. Or if you're listening to this later, maybe, for example, Apple Podcasts, five stars, or whatever you can do on Spotify, that really helps out. It's a little action, but it helps get the word out to more people. And when I say word, I mean words. And when I say words, I mean this, whatever it is. Okay. And when I say this, whatever it is, I mean words. When I say words, I mean word. So I want to talk about dressing up a bit. And again, feel free to pop your questions in. If I missed any, there were a few going by earlier uh, that I may have missed. So just... Uh, just pop those in again. I'll do my best to get to them at the end, but I do want to talk about a phrasal verb. I like talking about phrasal verbs because they're interesting. They're very phrasal verbs. They're very phrasal verby. Right? Right. Okay. 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 I got my pen. Yes. All right, we're good. <laughs> if you've ever 
gone to a Halloween party, you may have worn a costume. A costume. But when you get to the party and someone asks you the question because they want to know what it's supposed to be, they might not say, what is your costume? But what is that question that they'll ask? We're going to talk about the phrasal verb dress up, but for the sake of Halloween, I want to I want to talk about this initial interaction that people have, right? You could hear people say, what is your costume? That is perhaps an okay question. But you might more often hear people say, what are you supposed to be? What are you supposed to be? That means I see your costume and it's not as obvious as you wearing a Superman costume. If you were wearing a Superman costume, I probably wouldn't ask the question. But it's a little more vague, right? Maybe you're square-shaped, it's white, and there's a little blue, uh, you're also there's a cloud dangling off. What are you supposed to be? So that is actually a great way to start a conversation when you're at a party, Halloween party in particularly, in particular, probably the best question to start with. Great conversation starter. What are you supposed to be? And then you can go from there, right? That's the question I usually use. I'm, of course, because I go to Halloween parties every day, of every day of the year. I'm always going to Halloween parties, right? But uh, that is that is probably the most common question. Now, as I said, again, people might just say, what's your costume? What is your costume? And they might, they might ask a question around dressing up, okay? But they probably won't say it when you get there. When you get there and they look at you, they'll say, what are you supposed to be? What is your costume? They might say, what are you dressed up as? But usually the dress up question is focused on the future. What will you dress up as? What will you dress up as for Halloween? What are you dressing as for Halloween? So this as would be, uh, it's not you, right? It's not your clothes. Uh, Harry Potter, Hermione Granger, Hagrid, uh, Voldemort. Okay, I'm dressed as Voldemort. I'm dressed up as Voldemort. Usually there is an up here because there's a feeling with dressing up of doing something out of what is ordinary. And we're going to talk about that important difference, right? Dressing up is something out of ordinary, but there are kind of two main ways to use it out of ordinary. And one is, for example, wearing a costume, okay? But I think we should explore this a little bit more. You might also hear, by the way, what are you going as? What are what are you going as? That is, again, in the future, that is people wanting to ask you what your costume will be, okay? That's not something that someone would ask you if they're actually looking at you in that moment. 
but a few things we can talk about. And I want to talk about the different ways that we use dress and dress up. So we're exploring both of these. Okay. Are you dressing up this year? That probably is a Halloween question. It could be for other holidays. Any holiday that would involve a costume of some kind, are you dressing up? And this up usually is this feeling of it's for a special occasion, right? That doesn't mean it's formal because you could dress up as a bumblebee, but it is a special occasion. But if I ask this question, why are you so dressed up? Suddenly, it is not about costumes. Now, dressing up is about a formal occasion. Oh, occasion. So if you have a formal occasion, like a wedding or a funeral or a ceremony, an event, something like that, and you need to, if you're uh, a man, wear a nice shirt, maybe a tuxedo or a tie or a suit or nice shoes. Women wear an evening gown or uh, or a, a formal, fairly formal dress and shiny high heels. I don't know what people wear, but... Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, I do not have many dress clothes. Why are you so dressed up? Can't be about a costume, okay? The dressing up part, are you dressing up for Halloween? Would be specifically talking about the holiday in a specific context. But generally, if we just say, I'm dressed up, without the as, without the for, just dressed up. Why are you so dressed up? Then suddenly it is no longer about Halloween costumes. Now it is about these formal events, the wedding, the ceremony, the Oscars. Okay. So this is asking the reason. What is the formal event? Oh, I got invited to a film screening award show. I'm very excited to go. So I'm wearing my best uh, clothes. I am short on dress clothes. Okay, so now we don't see the word up anymore, right? We got it. Dress up, dressed up. That means you're wearing formal clothes for a special event. Dress up as you have a costume that is supposed to look like someone else or something else. Okay, dress up for possibly for a formal event, possibly for a holiday like Halloween. Okay, Dress clothes, though, is now talking about the style of clothes. And so this dress clothes is about only specifically only for formal wear. Formal clothes, the stuff that I talked about before and not a costume. OK, so we've got the costume using dress up to talk about costumes. We got dress up to talk about formal events. These are the actions that we take right? Or what we are. I am very dressed up. You could say that too, using it as an adjective in a way, or it's a modifier for, for me, the way that I'm dressed. Or we could use it as a modifier for clothes to talk about clothes. Or we could talk about it again as an action. And now it's no longer about what kind of stuff it is. It's just putting stuff on your body. I didn't even bother getting dressed. So maybe you're so tired, you just want to stay in bed, but you, you do get out of bed and you go downstairs. You're still wearing uh, whatever you slept in, a t-shirt and maybe some, some pajama pants. 
and you lay back on the sofa and just uh, just watch TV all day. I didn't even bother getting dressed. It doesn't mean wearing formal clothes there. Getting dressed means just putting on clothes for the day. However, it does not mean that you're naked because you could be, as I said, wearing whatever you slept in. If you wear whatever you slept in all day long, then you didn't get dressed. You are dressed, but you didn't get dressed. <laughs> or you could say you're not dressed. It depends. If you say you're dressed, one meaning is that you just have clothes on. Yeah, I'm dressed, right? And to get undressed would be to take clothes off, to get, to get undressed. Or you could say, right, to be dressed is to go from what you sleep in to putting clothes on for the day. And that is another kind of way to use it, right? So if you didn't bother getting dressed, it doesn't mean you're naked. It just means you're wearing your sleeping clothes, possibly. Okay, how do you usually dress then is one other way to use this. So how do you dress is to, to describe whatever style you have. This, again, doesn't have to be formal wear or formal attire or costumes. How do you dress is simply asking, tell me about the way that you, the, the type of clothes that you usually wear. If I say, I almost always wear streetwear. I dress very casually. I never wear clothes with words on, any, on anything. I don't wear t-shirts with big logos, for example. I, it's something that I usually don't don't wear. I have one or two. I have one shirt with a logo, big logo, and it's the logo. It's a Cloud English logo, <laughs> so I'm willing to wear that. Otherwise, no words. So I wear hopefully very simple, minimal clothes, simple colors, usually dark, dark blue, black, or gray, and that is it. That is how I usually dress. I don't wear colorful clothes. I've never worn the color red in my entire life. I've never worn the color yellow in my entire life. I've never worn the color orange in my entire life. I think once or twice I've worn the color blue, but generally it's dark blue, black, and gray, and that is it. And then in the future, I would like to get to the point where I'm only wearing dark gray and black, and I even cut out blue, and that's it. So I, I'm a dark gray, black, dresser. That is how I dress. Some people might dress uh, with, they might dress very formally most of the time. I like to go out with a nice suit on. Great, fantastic. Or maybe street wear or, I don't know, casual, fairly casual clothes. I always wear a hoodie, for example. There's the sort of tech startup uh, bro thing where they always wear either a hoodie or a t-shirt and jeans. And that's the uniform for someone working for a tech startup. Okay, so great. That's how you usually dress. All right. So just a quick recap. When we use dress and dress up, we could be talking about the style. We could be talking about what it's for, maybe for a special event or a special holiday. If it's for a holiday, it might be a costume. It's for If it's for a special event, it might be formal clothes. When we dress up without saying for or as, we are talking about a formal event. If we say as, we're probably talking about a costume. If we just say dress, now we're talking about just putting clothes on in general. Doesn't have to be formal, just putting things on, for example, for the day. Changing out of your pajamas and putting anything on that you could go outside in. And we could talk about, as I said, of course, style 
using the word dress. Hopefully it's clear. The best way to really get these is to practice them. So go forth and practice. Make sure you make a few sentences with each of these to get a good sense for it. If you don't write it down, at least do it inside your head, right? Make sure it's, you know, pretty natural, something you would actually use in your daily life. And let me know if you have any questions. All right. Sorry for the long spiel. Why am I saying sorry? I'm not sorry. Uh, I'm, I, I, uh, I'm not sorry. I have nothing to be sorry about. Hopefully that was useful. I hope that was useful. Okay. So I'm going to go through and see if there are any questions here toward the end, right? But today we have talked about Halloween sort of norms. How do people generally celebrate Halloween? We have talked about general differences between words, how you can search those, a tool. And we looked at specifically the difference between disguise and costume. We've talked about the Twitter news and I ranted about my opinions about how language changes and why the Twitter thing might be good for that. And we have now talked about how to use dressing up and its different meanings. Hopefully interesting enough. Again, I appreciate those who join live being here, those watching later. Great to have you. If you are listening, hit whatever button you see available for uh, to support, that would be most appreciated. Um, if you want to check out my courses, you can do so in the links in the description. There's a free course called Natural English Conversations, and that would be a good place to get started. Again, it's free. It's a relatively short course, but uh, it's a good sort of entry to see, hey, do I like Luke's courses or not? And then if you want to get you know, more serious, you can check out my other courses, which are not free. Uh, and uh, they're not free because they are not free. Because the <laughs> that's how I make my living. Um, and those are more sort of in-depth courses on specific topics. So check those out. If you're if you're uh, watching on uh, wherever, uh, actually, these available on uh, YouTube and Twitch and Facebook. Uh, so like button, subscribe, that would be most appreciated, of course. And if you haven't already done so, you can join the free Discord community. We're just getting started with that. It is a free community where you can practice English, communicate, have an immersive English environment. I'm there. I'm in the community, but I want it to take shape organically. So I'm not forcing things down people's throats and will not be doing so. So feel free to join that. Also in the links in the description. All right, let's see if I missed any questions here, uh, here toward the end. You said about the sync thing that it was a, a visual, a visual pun. V-I-S-U-A-L, visual, visual, a visual pun. Because sync has two meanings, right? So let it sink in, sync, S-I-N-K. Doink. Yeah, I think every company are or should be trying to find that fine line that separates bad but acceptable and good normal conversation. I, I agree with that. And it is a fine line because, for example, um, well, you can't, you can't uh, dox someone to say their personal details and exactly where they live. 
you can't tell people to go and commit violence against someone. Those are actually illegal. You can't do that. So yeah, there are laws to regulate speech in some in some areas. Libel is illegal, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think that's I, I think a good policy for speech would be generally speaking, um, follow the local laws. <laughs> that puts pressure then on the governments to make laws that make sense. Hey Luke, how to indirectly hint or tell a friend how how to Parsa says how to uh, hint that I have feelings for her in a Halloween party. I'm asking because I didn't grow up in American culture and I don't want to be disrespectful or weird. Uh, here's okay again my opinion. Uh, I think if you in the party, right, said. I'm in love with you, uh, or, you know, maybe, you know, uh, uh, even will you go out if any, any engagement trying to, for example, date a person in one day in a party or something like that, I think is going to be weird because most people are there to enjoy themselves. I would say the best thing that you could do is simply get to know that person that you're interested in. You don't need to say anything specifically to say that you're interested. Just be interested and then show that by engaging that person in interesting conversation. That gives you the opportunity to show your positive attributes. Maybe you're funny. Maybe you're intelligent. Maybe you're witty. Maybe you're kind. Maybe you're a good listener. Uh, maybe you can uh, shoot an arrow through 48 axes. How many is that? Uh, whatever, whatever it is <laughs> that the other person is looking for. And I guess that goes both ways, but I'm speaking as a male. So that's, you know, uh, obviously, uh, uh, bear that in mind. <laughs> I can't speak from the female perspective because I'm not one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think the best thing to do is be yourself. And if you're interested in someone, you want to you want to express it indirectly by just getting to know them as a person and allowing them the opportunity to get to know you. I think a good way to do that in general is to ask questions and listen and not just ramble and talk at them, right? But show genuine, authentic interest in them as a person. And then if you happen to exchange numbers at the event, which is a normal thing to do, right, then you might continue the conversation in text messages. I would say don't be too pushy, you know, just continue the conversation, keep it going, and uh, maybe maybe a week later, meet up for a coffee sometime. And at no point in this do you need to ever say or suggest that you have romantic intentions, even if you do. You're getting to know this person. At some point then, it, there will be a natural click. If there's a click, there's a click. If you, if if you're the right person, people for each other, you will it will you will have a mutual. There will be a mutual acknowledgement, right, at some point. Um, but I think the generally the best policy is just to be authentic, be yourself, and uh, uh, really show be interested in that person and want, and spend time with them. 
and uh, I think the rest kind of takes care of itself. But also, bear in mind, I haven't been on a date in nine years, so maybe my advice is useless. <laughs> I've been married for almost nine years. Very soon we'll be married for almost nine years. Holy crap, is that right? Jeez. Okay. Wow. Is that right? That can't be right. What the heck? All right. Uh. All right, everyone. Well, well, there's a little weird noise coming from my throat, which tells me that I must be hungry. Well, friends, neighbors, citizens, um, fellow English language enthusiasts, gremlins, demons, ghouls, ghosts with too many holes. Um, what are those things on the... Oh, gargoyles. Uh, and anyone else who I didn't include there. Thanks for joining. I appreciate it. I hope you learned something. I hope you had a good time. I try to find the balance between engaging, interesting to watch and listen to, and useful. If you have questions, pop into the next one. We do these live every Wednesday and Friday, and potentially also every Saturday, depending on how it goes, with myself and Mushroom. So again, Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. I hope you have a fantastic Halloween, if that's your type of thing. And I will see you. Well, I might see you on Saturday. Well, I will see you if you're there on Saturday, but I will be. And otherwise, next Wednesday. So take care. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.